0: Your place to be. I won't cry,
1: Maple syrup is the best. It's so good, though. I won't cry. Just be present with me and love me. I won't cry, Mick. Wow. 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 Wow
0: And they start doing this weird. Hello! Hello! Hello.
2: So they make it enticing to be blameless for what they do, um, and, and enticing to be a victim and to gain status and sympathy and other entitlements. For being a victim.
0: Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting with Meredith Miller this week. Fun chat. It's a good one. You guys should enjoy it. Um, About like some healing stuff and send us some COVID stuff and a little all over the place. Fun one. It's a good one. You guys enjoy it. Uh, it was definitely an enjoyable chat. Graham has his new blue microphone that you guys can't see. Of course, was this the first one when we started? This is the first one because, of course, some people have probably noticed that we stopped um, live streaming. streaming. We stopped live streaming. It's going to be more of a a special occasion thing. And of course, we do. We don't live stream the Rockfin episodes when we do them, but we do post them as video. But uh, we're sort of backing out all that and just focusing on getting the podcast out again. Of course, all that stuff will go, still go to YouTube, so you guys will still get to listen. You'll just get it as an audio-only podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the New New Year's news in Grand America.
1: I just want to expand on this a little bit because this was one oh, of my boy. favorites out of, like, we've almost done 600 interviews probably. Like, I think Meredith is one of these one of these she's not just a healer like she's i think she brings out the best of academia and also this holistic approach that and i didn't even realize when i booked her that she had been through ndes in this shamanic journey as well which made it super interesting you know very holistic but when i first heard her it was just strictly sounded like it was you know psychological uh trauma healing and you know abuse getting out of abusive relationships so it's uh it was it was one of my favorite. I think she's so articulate at what she talks about. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree a hundred percent. So uh yeah, we'll get back to Meredith uh and her creds a little bit later after we after we uh make you guys listen to some lazy ramblings here. Of course, you can't check that timestamp in the show notes, swipe right to those show notes if you're uh using overcast. That's the one I use. So you'd actually You'd swipe right. There's your show notes. You can click on stuff. You donate to the show while you're there. Check out all our other work while you're there. And uh, find the timestamp right at the top to the interview if you don't listen to my bullshit. Our bullshit. Yeah. Mostly my bullshit. You, uh, you bring less bullshit to the table. Oh, thanks, buddy. I, I like how you take that as a compliment. Of
1: that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, I do, have, I do have an email. I got a project operation and a quote ready for you today.
0: Do you want to get right into that? Or, I mean, it looks like we're getting out of the cold snap here.
1: Well, yeah, geez. I don't know. It's been a long, cold winter. I mean, I, no. I was driving lots in the last couple of days, minus 20. Again, it's, like, balmy when it hits minus 20. I was getting, you know, went from minus 30 to minus 20. It's That's been the coldest in, That's in a while. the wind chill. But it's, it just feels like we're in this really long spell, you know? And even Vancouver's got a ton of snow, more than they ever get.
0: Yeah, it's been cold. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been, like... As cold as it's been in the recent years, but it's fucking lasted, you know? It's just (laughs) been, like, fucking cold, 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 cold for weeks on end. I mean, today it warmed up to about minus 15 Celsius. It was nice. I was able to get out and get some (laughs) some work done on uh, the car and... And, you know, get a bunch of stuff done.
1: At minus 15. Minus 15. I mean, it, it's, it's still
0: cold. You got to come in every like 10, 15 minutes. But warm that's. Up.
1: But it feel, doesn't feel that bad
0: because it's really, no. it
1: feels balmy compared to how it's
0: been. I mean, so it's, it's does supposed this to be like, it's going to be plus 10 Wednesday.
1: Does this put a little bit of a damper on the on the climate change narrative or is this part of it? You like, I mean, are they just going to use so they this? They say uh, this is part of it. Yeah. It's part of it? Yeah. yeah so just get ready for the lockdowns because the weather's getting too extreme on both ends or wow.
0: Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, they're definitely not going to back out of the cooling as part of it.
1: I mean, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but that seems to me that, that they're it's prepping for that. It
0: definitely doesn't get hotter here. It hasn't been hot here like it used to be, but I digress.
1: Yeah. I could use I could use these winters to go away and just have some when I like I was telling you I moved here. We're due. We're due. Vancouver and it was like minus five, minus minus five to plus five. I was out running in the snow and it was like I was like, oh, these winters are great.
0: Yeah, that was uh, like twelve years ago. Yeah, I feel like we're due to come around on some easy winters again. But we got another Mm -hmm. shitty one or two coming at us, I think. And that's if we're not, you know, slipping back into glacial maximum. Exactly. <laughs> so so I see you got your blue balls on there. You went with blue on your yeah. microphone. Yeah. You never know what I'm talking about. No one else knows what I'm talking about either, but Graham got a new nice bright blue pop filter. Non-nostic. Is it lame or? No, it's fine. It's a little lame. It
1: well, would you be cooler if it wanted. was. I mean, I, I, you know, know. I wanted to, I wanted have to have get a green
0: one, one so. but they didn't have one. That's and okay. they didn't have a black one. They had That's red. Okay. And blue. That's okay. Yeah, it's not so bad. So what are you gonna do this week? It's gonna be plus ten. It's gonna be warm all week. Warm I'm, all I'm reading a book
1: this week. A couple books.
0: We're not gonna get couple out and enjoy We've got the warm books.
1: Fantastic weather? books for I got a book I'm reading t- three books right now.
0: All for audiobooks or
1: no, just one for audiobook and two for the show. When will you be done that? Uh which one? The one you're reading for the audiobook. Uh this week, like in a few days, yeah. I'm reading the history of spiritualism from Arthur Conan Doyle. Pretty interesting so far.
0: Oh yeah, read we, I should mention we do got out now the entire. Well, the last book's lagging behind a little bit, but uh, be coming in the next few days or submitted in the next few days. But uh, the entire Charles Fort collection uh, now available by Adult Brain Low Newlands. Wild talents and of course the Book of the Damned.
1: Yeah, I kind of gapped out in this interview with Meredith. I I just couldn't remember. I was trying to remember like the gist of sort of Fort's take on the Book of the Damned because he was talking about mass formation multiple times. And and you know, he his books are fantastic because it's the way he describes I mean, it's pretty deep, but it's the way he describes our reality. And he just stays kind of like right in the middle. He he calls himself an intermediatist and he calls you know, this dogmatic scientific paradigm, the the positivist, right? Because they're looking for everything to come to this positivist solution. So they just keep some data, whatever fits their the current narrative, and they just leave all this other data. So he takes all this other data, and he kind of comes up with some crazy theories in some ways, but his point is that he doesn't know and we never we will never know the truth really it's a, it's a fluid thing like he, he, everything is in flux towards something else it's always trying to 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 move towards this other state and it, and it it's just the way he describes it is fantastic
0: and of course the francis bacon one just got submitted too not read by you read by robert frederick past guest of the show uh written by Francis Bacon. I forget what the, no, the
1: I think it's called uh, Wisdom of the Ancients wisdom by Bacon or something. Wisdom of the Ancients.
0: Yeah. That's, Another,
1: that's our third Wisdom of the Ancients book, which is weird in itself, I think. Am I right about that?
0: In a roundabout sort of way, you know, there's a couple of different tweaks on it. How the ancients this or
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh well Manly P Hall's uh Secret
0: what the an- what the oh.
1: wisdom ancients expect from their disciples was was that title. Was it? Yeah. Anyway,
0: I digress. What do you want to do? The Oppo or what do you want to do first?
1: Oh, whatever you want.
0: All right, let's do the Oppo is
1: going to kind of be an advertisement to our other show, Outlawed, if that helps.
3: It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? This sounds very Fortean, actually. It
1: so guess, guess who wrote this? The, uh, the most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of dark seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little. But someday the peace, piercing, the piecing, but someday the piercing together, the piecing together of dissociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality, and our frightful position therein that we will either go mad from the revelation or flee from the light into the peace and safety of a new dark age.
0: Charles Fort.
1: No, no. I thought I said it was almost fourteen. Oh, well, who's almost fourteen? Who would be the fiction, the fiction fort, or the fiction fortiest?
0: I don't. Fortiest?
1: No, man. H.P. Lovecraft.
0: Oh, you think so?
1: Yeah, in some ways, I mean, darker, way darker, of course. But
0: he's the fortuneer. Fiction
1: fortune. Fortiest. I meant to say fourteen. Lovecraft again. H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, he wrote. He wrote some. The interesting fiction that, that's sort of it's kind of so Is creepy and sci-fi? so no it's it's very it's got a super cult following I mean it's he's really popular the Cthulhu you know the Cthulhu stuff right
0: I'm gonna pull up some movies Ugh. Cthulhu like Cthulhu, Jerry Cthulhu yeah,
1: yeah
0: like Jerry Cthulhu no like, the, like Call the God of
1: Cthulhu. Cthulhu like the yeah like the ancient, the ancient one, the dark one. I mean, in some ways, maybe he was spot on about what's happening. It's just more of an invisible dark entity. Who was talking about that as well? There was somebody else talking Call about that. Call of Cthulhu.
0: The Dunwich Horror. Oh, it
1: was the Nag Hammadi Library talks about that.
0: Mountains of Madness. What? I've never heard of any of this. Deep Ones. Color Out of Space, Dagon, Reanimator, Call of Cthulhu, Necromicron,
1: Necromicron, Necromicron.
0: From Beyond, The Dunwich Horror, I've never heard of a single one of these movies. Not one. Not one of these movies. That's why
1: I I told you it's a cult falling. You're not in the cult. By what cult? The Cthulhu cult. Are you in it? Well, I mean, there's aspects of that in Dungeons and Dragons, for example. So I put a little bit aspects of that mythology of into there. Oh, you like I've watch played, I've, and played do I've played you plagiarize. I've no, I've played also a call of Cthulhu role-playing game a little bit. So I thought you
0: were gonna say I've plagiarized Lovecraft for Dungeons and Dragons.
1: No, it's part of it.
0: It's um, part of it. How so?
1: All the all the mythical monsters and creatures and magic and everything is basically in Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's all it's interesting how it's all based on real mythology. Well, and I think isn't magic. whatever you
0: want to be in Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Yep. Plus all the
0: So do you think like someone else's versions of Dungeons and Dragons has all those characters?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well some of them are in the official books, right? Some of
0: them? Some of them, oh, yeah. Man.
1: Like like Cthulhu's probably in, in one
0: of these books. Well, Cthulhu's yeah. a god.
1: Well, what stiff, are you talking c- about? Casu is Car-
0: not a mythical creature. It's a god.
1: Mean? Well, yeah. But, I mean, the mythical creatures, gods, the deities, all <laughs> all, all that. Right? They're all. They're so all Sasquatch. There. Yep. Yeti. Sasquatch. Yeah. Slender Man. I mean, all kind of, All that stuff. Like.
0: And uh, they're in the book.
1: Yeah. Some like some books. Your, yeah.
0: Some books.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're vague.
0: You're being very I mean, evasive. The
1: Ouroboros, I mean. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Who I'm not that being is.
1: vague. No, well, there's because there's the official books, and then there's a bunch of these other books that people make that are almost official but not quite. You know? Can you make one? Ones. Yeah, I could.
0: Yeah. And would it be official or not quite?
1: No, it won't. Be. No, there's the can't. You can't get. You know. You don't. You don't even want it to be official at this point.
0: Who owns official Dungeons and Dragons? Is it like a brand? It's it's Trade Hasbro. Hasbro. Yeah. So you're a Hasbro.
1: Hasbro's super woke. It's getting woke, dude. It's, it's already, they've already, t- you know what? Some of the, the most interesting monsters are now becoming, they're changing the lore of them and not making them evil because they don't want to make monsters evil anymore. Now it's very well, strange all. what's happening. Like, they're, they're taking slavery. Dude, some of these monsters are inherently evil. They want to take over and enslave you, but they can't enslave you, but they can slaughter you. It's okay to slaughter you, but don't enslave the humans. Well,
0: slavery is bad, bro.
1: I know murder's okay
0: though. Well, I mean murder's murder. This is
1: what this is this is the way people are making fun of what's happening.
0: You know, I don't care, but I drove by a little store uh the other day. I was actually headed to the music shop to buy you that blue ball mic cover there. And across the street I seen the ogre's den or the ogre's yeah, yeah, lair yeah. or something like yeah. that. And I was like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I've been there app? before, yeah. And i was show yeah. I was like, Grandma would love that place. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's people in there playing Dungeons and Dragons and yeah, shit. Yeah, well, ogres time. aren't
1: evil anymore. You know, they can't. They can't be. It not imply generalize evil. The sign doesn't races. imply
0: evil. I mean, it implies that you're an ogre when you go there to hang out. <laughs> Clearly, right? You're the one frequenting the den. So they're probably okay with ogres not being evil because they identify as ogres. How is it? What's the scene like?
1: Oh, it was many, many years ago. It was just people sitting around playing games. You should yeah. go back. It's, dude, it's, a lot of these places during COVID, they're full. They're just full on board. Like, well, of course, I probably the, can't nerds get are gonna the, the nerds they're are going got... to be the
0: first ones or, or test.
1: Well, yeah, but what?
0: Of course, the nerds are more susceptible. <sighs> yeah. You know, it was bound to happen. You can't you can't know, judge them. It's him. just
1: so disappointing to <laughs> see can't it judge him. Him. It's so disappointing.
0: <laughs> you can't expect them to have been the point of pushback, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're an outlier, bro. You're a major outlier here. And, I mean, you know what
1: else? You know what else about the community? You too, own a is, bow and arrow. A lot of them are very, they're very dogmatic scientists, like, in a lot of ways. they're like They're kind of... The scientism thing really fits with the well, of course. Which I mean, that's, that's well, like
0: because most of them are probably like all the they're all like some sorts it? of scientists, probably who have been like down that they've been like indoctrinated, fucking for fifteen years. Oh, I like
1: that. That's a new word: indoctrinated. Indoctrinated.
0: Like yeah, it should be trinated.
1: Indoctrinated.
0: Indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. Anyway, I digress.
1: Patent pending.
0: Uh, trademark. Trademark.
1: So this is going to be a little bit of a COVID intro and a COVID app. The the email I have is uh, from a listener and it's, a, it's kind of like his new angle on COVID and conspiracy theories. So I think it's, it's fitting for an email to read in this, in, in this one, because Meredith definitely pushes back on all this. I mean, she's gone off of YouTube. She's on all these other platforms. Now it's great to see people like Meredith um, pushing back in her own way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a neat little thing that's happening right now. It's weird. I feel like in yeah. some ways, I feel like, I mean, I'll go back to it again. I feel like in some ways they're trying to get out of COVID, but they can't. <laughs> They've Because of the mass formation or whatever's going on. But it's like, I mean, it's like, holy fuck, man. It's like, holy fuck. You see the stuff that goes on when they say like, we're having school. We're having in-person learning. People are fucking freaking. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I say, I think it's a loud minority. I think it's like an extremely loud 15 or 20% because most of the people I just talk to in fucking general are, like, over it. Everybody I know is over it. Even the people that are, like, you know, they're double-jabbed and maybe even, actually, I don't know if I know anyone who's boosted.
1: I don't know a lot of people that are getting the booster. Most people that that are are double-jabbed, most they're telling me, I mean, mind you, that most people told me they weren't going to get until the they change it with.
0: until you need it to get in places. And then you'll yeah. lose some of them, But, uh, yeah, I mean, overwhelmingly people are like, eh. <laughs> seems but start. There's a coming around. And then like the Alberta government is like, they just seem like they're trying. In my opinion, it seems like it to me. That's the sense I get. Like they're trying to like, okay, we can't say no isolation anymore, but we'll just knock it down to five days. It's five days, or if you test positive and you're asymptomatic, you're fine to just come to work. And the rumor wow, you, is, the really, rumor mill what, is, that imp- is that now? employers are like leaning into it, saying like, "Oh, uh, well, you just have the sniffles now. You're over the fever. You're you're fine. You're good." <laughs> because they're desperate to have employees, right? Oh, so I mean, oh we're just God. caught in this fucking loop where everybody's freaking the fuck out, and I don't know. But in in some ways, I feel like they, they if I feel like there's some people in the government that that maybe didn't realize there was no putting the genie back in the bottle. That public health might have been the perfect one to get everyone riled up, but it's the one that's impossible to unrile
1: up because of so because we're all fucking hyper
0: entitled, over entitled, fucking hi- over hypochondriacs as it fucking is. Right? right, The Google generation where everybody's got a fucking gluten allergy and everybody, you know what I mean? We're in that fucking generation now where something's, everyone's got a disorder, there's something wrong with everyone, we're all a victim of some sort. And, you know, a couple things sort of rolled in the one there that make us... And not only that, people are fucking sick and tired of fucking slaving. I mean, let's not forget that uh, for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people even pre-pandemic life wasn't fucking great. They're barely fucking scraping by or not scraping by or on food stamps or the Canadian equivalent to that. Or, you know what I mean? Like eating all their groceries from Walmart. Cause there's no other fucking option for them. You know? And I know a bunch of these people that literally fucking don't have enough money to just enough money to scrape by on that, that service level, you know, 15 to $20 an hour range, you're fucked. You're fucked. In Calgary, you're fucked. Even if there's two of you. You can't, have
1: a, you can't you. have a family on
0: that. You no. can't have a family on that. You can have three or four guys or three or four gals or Shit two enough. gals sharing an apartment. That works fine. But as soon as you want to try having a family or a single income family on that, it just can't work. And I mean, me and you are kind of privileged in a lot of ways because we had good jobs coming into all this. And we've had good jobs for a long, long time. Um. Whereas, you know, someone who ain't working at a fucking restaurant or this or that anymore, is, it's it's much easier to say, fuck it, man. I'm never going back to that shit. Or, you know, yep. fill in the blank. I mean, there's this whole, like, underlying class problem that happened during COVID that, you know, in a lot of ways it seems like it's almost like the... The the like, what were the ones we were doing way back in the day that actually for a couple of weeks seemed pretty authentic, the like ninety nine percent or whatever. What was that first one called? The first one that came up when they were like anti all the corporations and everything, you know, before the corporations were allowed in the gay parades and all that shit. What was the, yeah. Occupy Wall Street?
1: Occupy, yeah.
0: I yeah. feel like Occupy for not the whole time. It got weird at the end, but in the beginning, it seemed like it was a bit kind of authentic. Now I've completely lost my train of thought, and there's people jumping in the Zoom because they want to play Dungeons and Dragons with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, my point is that I feel like they can't just end COVID tomorrow or they'll have a fucking mutiny on their hands. And I think they're predicting that it's worse than the mutiny they've got right now. Yeah. And Trudeau yeah. is a total douchebag. I mean, hopefully well, we can use this to actually I, separate, you know, hopefully the West will actually maybe finally think about pushing itself away from Ottawa.
1: Well, that's why I have a different theory than you on this whole thing because of what Trudeau, Macron, and uh, and the, the Boris Johnson <laughs> – they're dividing pretty harshly right now i mean I, I don't i don't want to get into the details of that but i mean that this isn't going away because they're starting to ramp up the rhetoric which is scary because you you're talking about what you're talking about is what's happening sort of in real life on the street or people are you know that those people that that are that are the loud minority that are that don't want to go back to school with their kids are going to flip out what they're going to, they're going to go right along with all these leaders, Macron and and Trudeau.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I don't see, I still don't see any of that. So when I start actually seeing that, (laughs) and I mean, I'm dating a girl who's vaccinated, you know what I mean? I'm I'm hunting with people that are vaccinated.
1: I'm hanging out with
0: people that are vaccinated all the time. And they're not into the
1: rhetoric. They're not even into the third shot. was your example though, about the school?
0: Though the 20%. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's 40%. but
0: Yeah, I don't think that. Because the, the only place I see what you're talking about is online. Right? Like, I don't go to my kid's school when I drop them off in the morning and hear anyone freaking out. Right, 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 the fucking the messaging from oh, my so kid's the Cal- school. Oh, even, oh, the messaging from... from my kid's school is overwhelmingly, we can't wait to have these kids back. in Oh, place.
1: okay, so you're talking about what? We Calgary think in general, this is or? important.
0: No, I'm just saying, online internet in general. Alberta's the one who's decided Alberta that the online? schools are open, and I see the internet that people are freaking the fuck out. Uh, but I mean, from in Alberta, you know, in Alberta, okay. But I still have yet to meet in my life, actual real life, a single person that gives a fuck. That gives a fuck about my vaccine. Like I said, there's one person that's ever gave a fuck about vaccines. I can get on the city job sites now with a test too, they say. Hmm. Uh, but that's great. you know, there's, these, there's been these policy pushes on me, yeah. but there's never been, I mean, I'm going out to hanging out with people that are vaccinated all the time. Cause I mean, in Alberta, we're at eight out of 10, nine out of 10. Almost everybody I know is vaccinated. Yeah. And to a person, they don't give a fuck and they know, to a person I mean my my stance is not you know
1: I thought your example was a little more uh, closer to home uh, about the schools so I guess it's it's more of what you're saying is the government's hearing this from Alberta online somewhere that they're freaking out about that yeah and how much, so of, that, so how much on, of that so then
0: how much of that is God. even real
1: right right
0: right because God. I'm at the point where I'm really starting to wonder how much of the internet is real people have crazy names on social media if you actually look who put seven fucking numbers behind their name like, would you do that? If Graham Dunlop was taken, would you put Graham Dunlop 567432179? No, of course not. No,
1: Unless of course there not. There's some real magical significance. No, to it, but,
0: the, but there's fucking hundreds of accounts like this. And they're oh, all boy. just arguing bullshit all oh, day boy. long. Oh, so that's like, and then when I go around in my day-to-day life, I can't find a single fucking person that gives a shit. And, you know, my girlfriend works in a school. She's like, no one here, you know, the teachers kind of don't want to work, but they're kind of their biggest concern right now is there's the system stretched thin. So if there's like teachers call in sick or anything like that, because I mean, and I know people who are milking the Omicron right now, just, you know, because it's like a free five days off work. You don't get sick leave. And Kenny, you know, the one thing that shows the giant scam is through all of this, the government has still never stepped up and say, okay, we will take some, some of your tax money. And if you're sick, stay home. And we'll pay you for five days or something like that. We'll pay the whole fucking country to stay home healthy, but out of all of it, we still haven't come up with some um, proper sick leave plan. And they still yeah. want to say if there is sick leave, it's going to be on the small business person.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, which is yeah. hard to swallow, right? If we had an yeah. employee, we couldn't afford to fucking pay him not to be here. We can't even afford to have an employee here at Crime America. But if we, when we get to the point where maybe we can, we definitely can't afford to pay them for a week not to be here. At yeah. first, you know what I mean? When you can, yeah. you can, but unless there's a tax incentive for it, because the government's taking a shit ton of fucking tax money from you. But anyway, getting back to the point is it just, it really makes me wonder. And because I can't find anyone that's not happy that their kids go to school or that, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? or that's, yeah. And it's not because, and you see this bullshit narrative that it's because people don't want to hang out with their kids. It's not that, man. I love hanging out with my kids. I love it. My kids want to go to school. They're sick of it. They're sick of staying home. They'll, and what they definitely don't want to do is go back to fucking Zoom school. Right? But
1: they're in a pretty good, like, they're not in a your typical public school, are they? Well, yeah, it they're, they're like just in an, in,
0: in an elementary school in their town. I mean, the whole Alberta school system is pretty, pretty decent. Right. Kids don't want to fucking, you know, they bitch about getting up in the morning and stuff like that. But at the end of the earth, they might be happy if they didn't have to go to school and they could just frolic and play with their friends and just live life there's no school but it's right, not right. that it's sitting stare at a fucking computer screen all day and they don't right, they right, don't right. want to fucking do without that the,
1: without the interaction of the other kids exactly you might as well be there they want one. to yeah, be yeah, there yeah.
0: with their friends they want to yeah. hang out they want to yeah. do all that kind of stuff and parents know that their kids want to do that you know i get that the school is indoctrinating my kids to a certain extent and i got to push back against that
1: dogma trinating them
0: and but my kids also enjoy school. They enjoy having other role models in their lives that aren't their mom and dad. They, you know, there's Yeah, like, but
1: I'm sure it's not as bad when you're showing them how to create and build things and, and do their own thing at home. It's, it's, yeah, it that's doesn't, right. It doesn't feel to me like it's as bad of a doctrination, indoctrination. Because so, I guess they, the, have, they, have, they have an alternate view on everything.
0: I guess the point of the story is that I still can't find anybody in real life. Yeah, Except for that That's one good. person, that one yeah, time, yeah, who, you know, I know.
1: Yeah, and i, I found
0: know. out since then that he might have some real health things going on. <laughs> so he's probably a little paranoid yeah. and, you yeah. know, lashing out at all the wrong people. But, uh, you know, overwhelmingly everywhere I go to a person, to like every single person I talk to now is just like, and it even came up at the dentist the other day while my kids teeth are getting clean. And I was just like, yeah. I've,
1: I know, I, I, and know, I just
0: slipped out like, <clears throat> that I've had it, and they're just, oh, we had it since. Blah, 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 I know, blah, blah. I,
1: I, I know, and I, and I, maybe, maybe you're seeing a difference in Alberta. I don't want to belabor this point, but you know, it's different in Quebec and it's different in BC. You know, there, there is, it is different. There is, yeah, I can't speak is,
0: to those. I can yeah. only speak to Alberta yeah. because I'm outside every day. Yeah, but if I go online, everybody's freaking out in Alberta about yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially
0: schools right right now. Online, that's happening. Everywhere I go in my life, it's not happening. Yeah. Which makes me really start to wonder about the integrity of social media.
1: Yeah.
0: But the problem is the government's officials are reacting to social media. Yeah. So I don't know what the temperature is in Quebec. that's so
1: interesting. I don't know what the
0: temperature is. I would have to be on the street in Quebec talking to Quebec people to say, yeah, Quebec people are all in on this because yeah. it could just well, be that the Quebec do, government is more my fucking
1: my one of my relatives is like she's fine with the lockdowns and the curfews and she thinks that that's all she trusts everything they say in the media like it's I, i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting personal like relatives but then again i have two relatives that are pushing back just as hard as that is, and that's just three
0: are. people. So, and then, yeah. I mean, I can guarantee, you, you know, we know some other people in Quebec that have the exact same mentality as we do too. So it's like, what's the actual yeah. ratio? If you went and yeah. talked to a hundred Quebecers, but I, here's the thing. In the average week, I talk to a hundred Albertans yeah. and, and no <sighs> one gives a fuck. They're all just fed the fuck up. And we're talking about middle of winter minus 30. You're still allowed in the restaurants and shit. And people have just had enough. They're just sick of. Now I don't know. Maybe some Quebec people and some Ontario people and some BC people can let us know if it's different where For they sure. are. For sure,
1: and yeah, and BC. I mean, so my, so.
0: But the interesting thing is, I dip my toes in a lot of different sectors too, right? Like I'll go from a fucking hospital to a high-rise building downtown to the Calgary Zoo. Yeah, you get
1: a pretty good. Yeah, you get a pretty. And
0: none of those places give a fuck. You know what I mean? The zoo, the zoo used to. I should probably not name names. Somebody, but somebody, some of these places used to care, and now it's just like.
1: Somebody I know in BC, I was just talking to them yesterday. They were in the, the lineup to get a test uh, for hours in the car to get a test, and when they get up to the thing, they are supposed to do the mouth swap, the, the gargle, because they didn't want to do the nose thing. So they get up to the end of the line finally, and they just hand them a rapid antigen chest and tell them to go home and take it. <laughs> nice. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so I got this email. This is a good transition into this email here. Um, this is uh, a run-in with COVID, in quotes, and a new angle on conspiracy theories. Um, hi, guys. I wanted to share my run-in with the virus as another anecdotal case for you to consider. Let so, me yeah, guess. Please email.
0: This is from what? Blake
1: Art no please email us uh, at. Uh, it's from Christopher please email, email us at graham at com, and uh, with your feedback with your stories about COVID with your thoughts, your theories, all that stuff or UFO sightings or spiritual experiences or, or uh, trip reports or synchronicities whatever you want I need so, go to uh, the
0: grocery store today after we're done Nice. I enjoy this once in a while now it's like a little outing
1: oh my god here we go. In, in doing so, I briefly dip my toes into the virus theory debate. I give my own theory on what this virus, for lack of a better term, is, and then I open up a greater conversation about perception and our understanding of the world through different models. As a skeptic and non-believer of anything to do with the mainstream narrative and even the existence of viruses themselves, I now definitely believe that there is something to this whole COVID thing. Last month, my flatmate, who I was... Living in close proximity in a small apartment came down with a strange illness that turned into bad pneumonia. See, that sounds like what I know people that have this. The way he described it, it was very similar to Graham's experience. He described it as a synthetic feeling, alien-like. And that he was in some sort of energetic battle. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny. I
0: know. And that he was tricked into
1: (laughs) thinking that he wasn't going to make it.
0: Is that what happened to you?
1: No, no, I wasn't tricked.
0: You just honestly thought that? I didn't (laughs) fall apart.
1: I I won the battle.
0: You won the the spiritual battle with the Chinese? (laughs) 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 With the Chinese spirits? (laughs)
1: Um, All by some force that felt very foreign. It was to the point that he asked me to write a will for him, and he was making arrangements for what would happen to his remains. He has since recovered, although he suffers from the damage he caused to his lungs from all his coughing. So there was about a two-week period that I felt very tired as well. There was a palpable heaviness and depressive feeling in the apartment, but this could also have been me falling under the spell of that same energetic vibration. The guy was literally living in the living room of our small apartment, and I couldn't possibly avoid him entirely. So I may have technically come down with whatever this thing was, but I never got a fever, never had a sore throat or anything like that just what i would describe as an unusual fatigue although another factor that could have precipitated my fatigue was that i was living in a far northern latitude for the first time and it was nearing the darkest time of the year with the sun setting at about four i subsequently got tested for covid about a week later as required by the authorities for my return to canada and i tested negative since then i've tested negative twice once at the airport and the latest one during my 14-day period of mandatory house arrest where I had self-administered the test with the help of a nurse watching me through my computer.
0: Oh, I did that one.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> on my
0: phone. But the last time I wouldn't, I said I declined. I said no.
1: Overall. And then the cops thought, showed up in my house. Yeah. Fuck. That's, yeah. That's, and I still they, declined. They, they actually, but you weren't here at the time.
0: <laughs> I was, I was out.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I, you As an update, nothing ever happened from that. Nothing in the mail. No, that's
1: good. Interesting. I think I'm going to
0: bring those uh, coppers a little, uh, what could I bring? Maybe a Tim's card? Nice. We're not falling for the fascism. I guarantee you the fucking government of Canada told them to charge me with something. I guarantee it. After the earful I gave that lady. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your story.
1: Uh, overall, my thoughts on the virus are that whether you call it a virus or not is besides the point. I agree. Steiner elucidated the mootness of the virus question years ago, essentially equating our medical system today with that of the Middle Ages. They they understood the phenomena of viruses as caused by spirits. We see them as caused by germs. Nothing is substan- substantively different in the ways the way things Substantially? are. Substantially.
0: Substantively. Substantively. Yeah. Is that a word? Yep.
1: Yeah just the way we look at them. It's like the influence of the observer in the double slit experiment. Both the germ theory and the ghost slash spirit theory are different models or maps of looking at the same thing. I do believe it is possible to contract something from someone by exchanging information either energetically or physically through the sharing of molecules. This felt very real for me last month. I was naturally keeping to myself and alert of my proximity to my roommate. I felt intuitively there was some threat in being around him. Now where this is where, now where this vibration or virus originates from is a mystery that we could speculate on further. Personally, I would say that it is most likely lab created and manifested through the power of ritual, but I believe that a virus requires a population body minds requires a population body minds that would be receptive to it. So the enterprise of creating such a thing would have to be out of reengineering from the evolutionary context of the present body mind construct whatever this thing is it would need to be recognized by our programming to have any ability to penetrate into it i don't believe therefore that it is possible to create a contagious virus that wipes out the whole population from a spiritual perspective that would be like taking the easy way out life can't be defeated that way because life is everything it would have to be a reflection of our collect collective corruption and go no further than that I like this theory. Leaving my speculation aside, my overall hypothesis is that there is no truth to the conclusive explanations of cause and effect relationships that we ascribe to the way things are. Just different ways of looking at things, depending on our level of perception and what we choose to focus on. This is why I think the viruses aren't real, but, great, but great is missing the point. I totally agree. I think they are real and not real at the same time. Fuck, This is so 14 as well. This is exactly what Fort would say. He says that in his book, and especially in the Book of the Damned. It's real and it's not real. And he always has this new hyphen. He always bitches about the hyphen things. He just throws a hyphen between two things all the time. Invisible, visible. Real, not real. For the purposes of a medical system or a person of tradition that understands things through the virus model, then they are very real as a construct that brings meaning to this phenomena of contagiousness interestingly the same idea could be applied to many of the fringe issues that the conspiracy community often takes so literally that they become politicized Politicized, politicized? Like, the shape, like the shape of the earth for example maybe it's round and flat at the same time who's to say it's not just a bunch of waves or particles i think there's a tendency to take things take things literally and always pick a side when it could be that there are a thousand million ways of looking at reality which all could be valid Relative to our perception. Anyways, these are my thoughts. If you made this far, thank you for providing me with the opportunity to share. All the best, Christopher. Yeah, thanks. I, it is very Fortean. I love it. I agree, in a lot of ways.
0: Substantively,
1: it's hard in it's a hard way for that is to... important,
0: meaningful, or considerable. There you go. With regard to legal rights and duties. There you go. It achieved peak usage. At the turn of the century, year two thousand, and then it's down considerably.
1: Wow, where did you find where did you find those stats?
0: Uh, Google Books.
1: <clears throat> wow,
0: it was very. It was. I mean, it really shot up around nineteen seventy five to two thousand, and now it's back down. <laughs> Another it's fifty years, it won't be a word again. It's too
1: long, yeah, exactly. Well, I
0: feel like substantially sort of took it over. You know.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Anyways, it's um. Yeah, I think it's hard for me to like. I had this really long discussion with my buddy Mike again about about staying in the middle of all this stuff because he's 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 kind of more on our side, but he was all he was on the other side a little bit. Like he ended up getting a jab, and he's he he kind of doesn't agree with some of the stuff that we talk about. But he thinks that the 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 people on on the that are pushing back against us go too far, right? With the whole. And it probably uh, this is one example where they talk too much about, like, the, let's say the terrain. They put too much um, investment into the terrain theory, for example. Like, I've I've heard, I've heard, seen some people commenting in one of these telegram groups, too. They're arguing back and forth, and they're like, well, it's, it's not real. It's just not there. And they're, they're making fun. Like, they're saying, stop saying you got it and all this. And it's like, look, I got sick from something that wasn't – that I never – Get sick from, like I never get the flu in general, I never get i get small small colds that don 't last very long. I had something artificial, I believe that, and a lot of people I traveled with during when I got it got it twenty over twenty people how
0: did co- they I all collaborate artificial like what did they all collab corroborate your artificial
1: no i i don 't know i mean i 've heard people say that, but but any, regardless of that, the
0: on a regardless
1: of that, it's hard for me to visualize, and I'm not. I I do have time to for the theory, but I don't. I don't think we need to. I don't. Th- I think that just takes us away from from the fight. You know, like whether it was a, whether it's a germ or whether it's real or not, something is there. Ha- it's happening, right? I can't visualize how. How terrainly, like how we would have vibratorily, frequency wise, got everybody, everybody at the same time would have picked up this frequency and got sick.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm, it's hard to. There's I definitely some germ stuff going on, hundred percent, hundred percent. But, but uh, like
1: Fort would say, though, there's maybe it's both. Maybe you know, I don't want to say a hundred percent to anything because it could change. Hundred percent. The more evidence that 120%, comes, twenty percent. Everything's fluid. Everything's everything's. Drifting from one side to the next all the time.
0: I don't want to fight with anyone. I just want to uh, plant some flowers that I can harvest in the fall. There you go. Uh, do you still want to do your oppo? Or are you running no, up on your that. Dungeons I'll, I'll, and Dragons now?
1: I'll, I'll tease it. I've uh, never it was, seen uh, a
0: guy get so antsy as when Graham gets within 10 minutes of his Sunday night Dungeons and Dragons. We started this intro a bit late. We're now we're almost at,
1: killed the whole party it's, it's a serious part. I almost killed the whole party. So
0: we're at 556.
1: They had to put it this way, they had to wish their way out of this battle twice.
0: In what? Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Yeah, it's, I've I'm sure. wishing
0: my way out already. <laughs> I wish. I wish I never even heard about it. <laughs> the Dungeons and Dragons people are trying to horn in on the Zoom. Uh, So I guess we'll get out of here now. One thing before we go, I know some of you guys, you guys know by now, this ain't a free show. I know there's 540 episodes there. They're all free. It's a value for value for show what we're hoping. You guys are getting some value from this show. It's adding some value to your life, to your commute, to whatever you're doing. Um, And you can send some value back our way over at ca slash support. We couldn't do it without supporters. If we didn't have the supporters, we'd have to go do something else, make more books, do something. Um, but the supporters, keep us around, keep us going, keep us flowing, keeps the bills paid. america.ca slash support, sign up for a monthly today, a $5, $10, $50, you decide, it's up to you. It could even be a $1. You can make a one-time donation, you can go on Patreon, you can use cryptos, email us if you want to use cryptos. I think the, I got to fix the website button again. I don't like that coin payments. Just email me. I'll give you our straight up uh, wallet addresses. We actually, we're into the crypto game a little bit right now. So you, we can actually accept crypto straight across without going through any third parties nice. of, of a couple different denominations. Uh, so if you guys could do that, you can also head over to ca. Check out that podcast. We just got the 60th episode out there. So you can at least go back and listen to the last 33 of those. Uh, if you want more than that, you'll have to sign up for that plus subscription. Get those with its... Uh, Get on that 6 bucks a month. Get those shows over there. 60 more shows. That comes out every Friday night. And then, of course, there's all the audiobooks over at adultbrain.ca. Use your adult brain today and uh, get some of those esoteric classics of all time. We just added all the works of Charles Fort to that. And now we're going to start getting into some ancient Egypt stuff here this spring. It's all looking fantastic. I think that's about it. We'll let Graham get his, do his D&D. Oh, Graham has to do the bio. We're still learning this. Uh, bio time.
1: Yeah, so Meredith, so this is coming right from her in, innerintegration.com website. Uh, just going to read some stuff from her bio here. She's a holith, holistic. holithic. Holithic. Yep. A holistic coach, author, and speaker, helping people to self heal after toxic relationships. Her mission is to bridge the gap between trauma and purpose. She teaches the mindsets, the tools, and the actions to help others recover after relational trauma. So she had her own NDE experience in 2003, and that actually uh, led her to pursue a new direction in life. And she's had extensive training in holistic healing arts, personal development for over a decade. Um, and she's continually researching and training. Um, The diversity of her methods spans from like the Ivy League education, kind of like what I was mentioning earlier on, to apprenticing with a mystic in the Andes mountains of Peru. Um, As a survivor of over three decades of psychological and sexual abuse, Meredith's specialty is a holistic approach to narcissistic abuse recovery. Her clients continually say that she gets it in a way that only someone who has been through it could. This is why she's coaching and her clients and video audience trust in her expertise. So she's moved to, um, uh, I mean, I'll just put the website here in the, she's moved away from YouTube onto some other platforms uh, because of YouTube's censorship. And the interesting part is this narcissistic abuse applies to uh families personal relationships governments systemic um abuse that we've been in in relationships so her, her work is very applicable to what's happening right now in the world so check
0: it out check it out support the show enjoy the chat with meredith miller
1: Welcome to the Gray America Show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for inviting me.
1: Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. Um, I was reading your, your bio after, I found out afterwards, just by reading your bio, after we had communicated and, and brought you on, that you've, you had sort of a transformative experience yourself, like an NDE thing. And I thought, oh my God, like so many people, so many guests we have on the show, on this America show have had these transformative experiences, like have had ne- near-death experiences. And I thought, well, maybe we can start there, a little bit about your background, a little bit about that, and then we'll get into sort of some of the... Your, you know, your work and how it relates to current events.
2: Right on. You want to know about the near-death experience? Well, I think so. Yeah, because we got to yeah. talk about
1: it here. I mean, it's such a like we've had so many guests that have had big changes after that. So
2: yeah, I was. Living if that's okay, a, if that's okay, I was living a life in the system, totally miserable. Hated my job, hated my life. And uh, on a Halloween weekend, I was coming back from a party dressed in a disguise. And I got into a car accident coming off the highway really close to my house. And all I remember was a car swerved into my lane. My car went flying. I saw a green flash of light. And the next thing I knew, I was standing next to my car, looking down at my disguise and this wig and asking myself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And this question began sort of this dark night of the soul that haunted me for years after. It wasn't until two and a half years later But I had this out-of-body experience in which I recovered all the memories of what happened in the near-death experience in the car accident. But at the time, I was so spiritually dull and had no capability of remembering, grounding what happened, that it was just darkness. And there was so much darkness. For a long time, I got blamed for the car accident, and I was angry, and so many things happened. But when I went back years later, it had to do with the car. I had to get the car back from an abusive ex and all this thing happened. I laid down that night and there was a thunderstorm outside and I'd been studying shamanic journeying and the way that the rain was beating on the gutter outside, all of a sudden something happened in my body and I left my body. I was still in the room at first and I can feel that I was there in the room and I could feel everything in the room. I became everything, but nothing in the room. So I felt like I was the futon I was laying on and I can feel me laying on my chest. And then I was the floor and I felt the futon laying on me. And then I was the television and I felt the mug laying on my head and then the bookcase. And I was holding the books. And then I became the book sitting in the bookcase. And then I realized, wait, I'm not limited to this room. Anything is accessible to me in this moment. And so I said, what happened in that car accident? This question has been haunting me for years. And so I was taken all of a sudden to this, like, I flew out of my body. Like, I was already out of my body, but I flew into some other dimension. And all of a sudden, this lightning bolt came in through my head, and it started ricocheting off every part of my body that I'd ever felt pain and it was like light speed. And every time it hit another part of my body, a memory would come up and it was happening so fast. It was just like shuffling through all these memories and all this pain and it's happened for probably over an hour. And then all of a sudden there was this calmness and then another lightning bolt came. And this time it was ricocheting off all these parts of my body and the memories were like bliss. Bliss. And some of the experiences I remembered being of my life and other experiences I didn't recognize or know, was it other lifetimes? Was it me? What was it? And that went on for a really long time. And it was just so deeply peaceful. And then at one point I heard this sound and it was like singing bowls and crystals. And I can't even explain it, but there was all these octaves of sound and, I understood that was me. It was like my energetic frequency. And so I asked, who am I? This was the question that was haunting me. Who am I? And I understood something that I was something of a transformative uh, effect in people's lives. I saw sort of this giant diamond shape with all these different facets. And then people and things would come by almost on a conveyor belt. And they looked like a Rubik's Cube all messed up. But as soon as they came in front of me, they just automatically rearranged themselves back into order and moved on. And it was it was an incredible experience. But I felt like I had to go through those two and a half years of the dark night of the soul and all this spiritual healing in order to even be able to recover what had happened to me in that car accident and the near death experience. And it was, it was just absolutely incredible. And it really set me on a whole different life. Like after the car accident, I quit my job. I started studying holistic healing. I made so many different changes in my life.
1: Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. I
2: feel feel like I was given a choice and I've heard other people say that too. And I feel like part of my contract was I'm not coming back if my body isn't whole and healthy, I'm not coming back. If I'm going to be completely messed up and unable to like live my life in the way that I want to. So I felt like that was part of the contract that I had made in order to come back.
1: So you, cause you had lots of pain in your, in your body prior to
2: that. So I had an illness like in two, the car said was 2003 and in 2000 I got really sick. I just graduated from college And all of a sudden, like I couldn't get off the couch. I had no energy. I had so much pain like in my abdomen. But I was so disconnected from my body that I couldn't really even tell you what was wrong. I just knew something was really wrong. And then I started going to the doctors and they were giving me the runaround. And every time I went, it was a different diagnosis and they never knew it was wrong. And after like four months, they finally told me it was all in my head that I must be crazy. And then eventually they realized that they needed to test my blood. This was the year 2000. It was a long time ago. They didn't have the magnetic resonance imaging and all that. So they tested my blood. They saw my white blood cell count was extremely high. They said, well, you know, it could be cancer or leukemia or something like that. We should probably cut you open and start taking out lymph nodes. And, like, and I was like, whoa, 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 this is not okay for me. This is absolutely not okay. I didn't trust these people. I felt like they were messing with my mind. And I walked out of there. And at the time I was a complete atheist. I was raised Catholic, but I had to go clear to the other end of the spectrum, kind of defined like my middle path. So at the time I didn't believe in anything, but I left the doctors going, that's not it. And I didn't know what I was talking to, but I just looked up and I was like, show me the way, show me what to do. I know that's not it. And I went back to the office, which is a couple blocks away, and I ran into one of my bosses. They're from Spain, and he said, so your new supervisor is coming from Spain, and she's going to talk about this weird diet. Supposedly it cured her cancer, and I was like, oh my God, like something magical is happening in this universe. And that was kind of the spark in the beginning of a long path of healing. Wow. Okay.
1: And then you went through so much education to get where you are now. I mean, it was yeah. like, a, I was just looking through your bio and all the courses and all the stuff. I mean, and I mean, it's incredible. I heard you on Reiner uh, and it was one of the, my favorite of all of his interviews, just the way you succinctly talked about what we're going through right now, as far as, you know, trauma goes and this relationship we have to abusive people or institutions or government. So, I mean, maybe just talk a little bit about the education that you went through all the way up, learning what you know now.
2: I studied Spanish in college and that ended up serving me because I got to go to Latin America and study with some teachers there. In Spain, I mean, Spain, in Mexico and Peru, I traveled to Spain on my own just to study with some people. But then I ended up studying Chinese medicine and hypnosis and a bunch of energy work like matrix energetics and theta healing and DNA activation and then shamanism. And it just kind of kept leaving me more and more into various different aspects of holistic healing. And then eventually I got into coaching. So I did hands-on healing for a very long time, but I kept moving around a lot. And that was really complicated because then you had to start a whole new clientele. And then the whole online thing started kicking off and I realized I could do online holistic coaching. So I kind of redirected towards that, but all the time still studying just how to be a better coach and practitioner. And then in the last two years, after all this stuff changed in the world, I really dived in deep to trauma. So I had been working in narcissistic abuse recovery for a while, which is a form of trauma. It's relational trauma. And I realized that that definitely had to do with what's going on in the world. But I wanted to learn more about trauma healing in general, because I'm seeing that's going to be a huge fallout down the road. It already is, but we're still in it. So we haven't even seen the fallout yet.
1: Oh, so let's, how do you want to go from here? Do you want to get into that? I have some sort of personal questions about healing and, and recovery as well, but do you want to continue talking about the trauma that we're going through now or how, where would you like this to go?
2: Uh, you can drive.
1: Okay. So, oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how, I just don't know if I want to dive into the deep end of the pool right now with the, what's going on in the world, you know? Yeah, let's get it. Just, we could, no, just we can. Hand. All right. So, I mean, look, we're 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 in a state now where where it seems like we're either fearful of 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 COVID, let's say, and 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 I do want to I do want to sort of exit this and, and get down to more of a personal level too, and talk about how we can sort of <clears throat> heal from uh, abusive relationships or or trauma or not get into the, to fall into this trauma ourselves, because what I'm about to get to here is that I feel like we're in fear of either. <clears throat> COVID or the tyranny that's happening because of COVID. And I know or there's the a shot. lot of us trying to, yeah, well, that could be part of, that's part, that's of, the part tyranny, of the tyranny, okay. I, th- okay. I think, okay. I mean, and, and it might not be fear of, the, well, and, and there's a bunch of us that are trying to stay in the middle, right. And not be fearful and trying to be conscious of it. And, and, you know, we know that we're all brainwashed. I mean, I say that's one of the big differences between the people that want to push all this stuff on us and the people that are resisting is I think we know we're brainwashed and we admit it. And so we try and us. deal with it, and 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 the other side doesn't seem to get that that we're all brainwashed. So, uh, how do how do I turn that into a question for you? I guess we're we're all susceptible to fear and trauma right now. So how do we how do we recognize that, and how do we get out of that? I guess, and how do we handle the other side that, that uh, people that <clears throat> want to push their. Uh, authoritarian measures on us, I guess. I mean, I don't know how how deep we want to get right away, but it kind of gives something to start with.
2: I think it's really hard when you're in the picture to recognize what's going on. And I think that's why it's so hard for people to recognize what's happening, whether they're afraid of the COVID and that's what's ruling their life or they're afraid of the tyranny and that's what's ruining their life, ruling their life. Or what's even happening. And so like, when you look at a person in an abusive relationship, they sort of have an idea, something's off. It doesn't quite make sense, which is something very similar that a lot of people started to sense in 2020, maybe not at the very because I think we were all cautious and concerned. And then, you know, in March of 2020, the data started coming in from America and then, you know, people started, okay, so this it seems like we've overblown our reaction to this, and now something really seems like it's off because we're still going down this trajectory, even though the evidence changed. So that sense that something is off is usually the first sign of a relational trauma, meaning the kind of trauma that takes place between human beings, whether it's an interpersonal relationship or whether it's in a system like a family a workplace, a social group, or society in general. So I think that's our first clue. And that's always something that abuse victims will recognize in retrospect. Yeah, I always felt like something was off. But when you're in it, it's really hard to see that because you're in a state of cognitive dissonance. Part of you kind of sees the truth. Something just doesn't feel right. And then another part of you really wants to believe in the fantasy, so in a partnership it might be the fantasy is this is the love of my life but the reality is that this person is abusing me in society the fantasy might be the government wants the best for us and they want to protect us and everything that they're doing is for our good because they're telling us that but reality is showing us exactly the opposite so when you're in that state of cognitive dissonance where you're trying to hold two completely opposing ideas opinions realities that's so stressful for the mind, for the brain. So it short circuits into denial. It's kind of like the sh- the circuit breaker in your house. So like you're running the vacuum cleaner and someone turns on the hairdryer and something else, and then the thing the fuse goes right, and you have to flip the switch. The human nervous system is kind of like that. When it gets overwhelmed with stress, it shuts down. So when it's too much, when the the overwhelming stress of trying to reconcile these two completely opposing points of view is so stressful, the mind just short-circuits into denial, and then the person goes into states of defensiveness. So when you try to present evidence to them that they're in an abusive relationship or that something strange is going on in the world or with the government, they will immediately reject that because they're in that state of denial and defensiveness. It also makes it very difficult to think clearly because there's a brain fog that happens. The the cognitive dissonance, so if we look even in society, words like social distancing, this creates cognitive dissonance because we have two words that mean the opposite things. When we hear social, the nervous system thinks safe because as mammals, we were programmed to seek safety and healing, in the comfort of the presence of other mammals. So when we hear social and distancing and we're taught this is what's safe, but distance is the opposite of social, it immediately puts the brain into a state of cognitive dissonance. And so we've seen so many of these phrases and words that have been used, or even the bombardment of information with mixed messages, Yes, I was going to say that. Truth and
1: lies all together. Yes. So the default position becomes just follow the narrative because it gets so confused. I don't know what's true anymore. So I'm just following what I'm told.
2: Exactly. It's so, it's so hard to think. And that's something that I actually, I went through a mushroom journey in 2020 when I was trying to get through the fear that I was facing because I knew I had to get out of that fear if I wanted to help other people. And what I saw was like the herd marching toward the slaughterhouse and how it's just so hard to think. It's just so hard to lift your head up and even try to think differently because the whole herd is moving that way. And the safety is in the herd. And so that's where people were going.
1: And, and I think there's another thing that keeps people in there, which you talked about in one of your videos uh, on hope. Cause I, when I was in a, in a relationship, what kept me in it that I shouldn't have been in was this faint hope, you know, the hope that would keep cycling around to like, okay, well, it's going to get better and it's going to be okay. And, and, it's the thing that you talked about as well, that sort of fantasy part, right? That hope that your fantasy will, will, will avail itself. <clears throat> and I think people have this hope that, like, because they kept getting, they keep being spoon-fed little tidbits of carrots and, oh, just uh, just do this now, just do that now, and it'll all go back to normal, or we'll, we'll get through this. So they have this little, <clears throat> this little bit of hope that's spoon-fed. And then, exactly. yeah, does that keep people in this
2: sort of state? Totally. So in the relationship, the target wants to get back to the good times. And so that's like at the very beginning when it was the seduction phase and it was the love bombing and everything seemed amazing. It wasn't, it was all part of the manipulation, but the person perceived it as everything they ever wanted or something that made them very happy. And they want to get back to the good times. In society, people want to get back to normal. It's the same thing as the victim wanting to go back to the good times. So we see people doing exactly what you said—like they're going for those carrots, but the goalpost keeps moving because that's how it always is with the abuse. It keeps escalating, and as soon as you get to that next goalpost, now it moves again and again. So we see that, like with the boosters, for example.
0: Yeah. So what do you, what do people do to inoculate themselves from that sort of cycle and I mean is it by design is this a cycle that people can fall into as some sort of protective mechanism like why do individuals fall into that narcissistic response and can a government sort of fall into the same pattern accidentally or in response to trauma as opposed to malevolence
2: I have a friend who's a doctor and he says, we should always assume incompetency before malice, right? And my brain is wired to look for the malice first because I grew up in that, it was everything I ever knew. So I recognize I have that default programming, but I think most people want to see the good in other people, want to see the good in the government, that they have our best intentions at hand. And maybe some of them do. Um, It certainly seems that this is orchestrated. I mean, even if we look at the rehearsals that they've done and the clues that they've left us before 2020 even happened, they've basically been telling us this all along. Probably a lot of the leaders are compromised for something that they've done. And so they're in a position in which when, when you have multiple abusers in a system, let's say a family system, you have multiple abusers. There's a hierarchy. There's an alpha. It's like a dog pack, right? So they know their place in the pack. So let's say the more severe abusers are driving things, and then there's other abusers there, but they all know their place. And this works as long as everybody's serving the same goal. And so what one abuser will do to get the compliance of the other abuser is to hold something against them that they did, but they don't want other people to know or that they could get in trouble for. Sometimes they bribe them with other resources like money or sex or something else. Probably we're seeing, you know, this sort of thing happen too, where people are being blackmailed, so to speak, of things that they've done or offered bribes of money for their local areas if they put into place all of these regulations. Maybe some people are just completely clueless of what's happening, but they're in so deep. You know, it's kind of like, Um, you know, you make one bad decision in life or you go along with something, you know, you make a bad decision and that leads you down this trajectory of this like runaway train that it seems like you can't get off of more and more and more bad decisions. So maybe some of them just fell into something like that. Um, But it it certainly does seem that at the very top, there's some kind of orchestration going on. And, you know, when, when we talk to people around the world, who've been through narcissistic abuse. They've been in these kinds of relationships and situation. They all say the same thing. It's like, as if these people read the same manual, how is that possible? Is there, is there a book that teaches them how to do this kind of abuse? But I think that that actually exemplifies the spiritual dimension of things where, you know, these humans are actually feeding something else. I don't know what that is. Some kind of demonic force. And maybe that's why it's the same around the world in different cultures, countries, different socioeconomic status, different genders. All around the world, the patterns are exactly the same of the abuse. When we look at the interpersonal relationships and when we look around the world at what's happening and the response to COVID, it's like the exact same things are happening. So I think there's also a spiritual dimension. I think that explains why this is able to happen and look so similar across the world when these people maybe don't even know each other. Maybe they've never talked to each other. Maybe it's not a conspiracy, so to speak, but they're all tuned into the same frequency.
1: Well, wow, that's even scarier than it being a conspiracy than an overt conspiracy. In some ways.
2: I think it's probably a combination of all of that.
1: Yeah. Do you have a follow up on that during at all or.
0: Well, no, I guess the other one was just how people avoid it. How Because some people seem to be able to avoid it and others on both sides seem to not be able to pull up.
2: So the thing I think is that when people have gone through trauma and the very difficult, dark life experiences and they've come out of that. They've healed from that. They're moving forward. They're transforming their life. They have kind of a superpower of recognizing this kind of stuff and not falling into it, even if they don't consciously know about it, even if they've never studied it. Some, they just know something's wrong and they're not going along. But people who have unresolved trauma, that makes them very easy targets for manipulation So I think the clue is that we need to look inside and heal the traumas, heal the unresolved traumas inside each of us, because as each of us individuals takes on the self-responsibility of cleaning up our own stuff, that spreads. So as more people do that, we individuals form society and the collective. So I think there's really no healing out there. There's no fixing the system. There's no stopping the thing that's happening out there. I think the change comes from inside.
1: And then metaphysically it
2: spreads? Yes.
1: So do we all are we all traumatized at some level or another?
2: I think so. That's yeah. what a lot of trauma experts say too. And sometimes they're just things that people don't even realize are trauma. Last year I was talking to a man from Iran. And he grew up during the Iran-Iraq war. And so when he was like five or six years old, bombs were falling just a few blocks away from him. And when we were talking about trauma, he said, this thing you call trauma, this is life. Yeah. Right. So for for him, like that's how his brain registered bombs falling a few blocks away in your childhood. That's just life. Right. So so and that's a very overt example. There could be so many kinds of traumas that don't even look like traumas that we don't even realize were traumatic to us. And the experts say that what makes it a trauma or not? Because two people can go through the same kind of experience as children, as adults, What makes it traumatizing is if no one is there for you.
1: Right, right. So
2: there's that social healing thing again, right? Where we heal through co-regulation, through the presence of one another, through eye contact, looking at the face, through physical touch. So like, let's say you're a kid and something horrible happens to you and your mom or someone holds you and, and, you know, and they just hold you and make you feel like you're safe and everything's going to be okay. Probably you're not gonna have the post-trauma from that. But if you're a kid, you go through something like sexual abuse, your parents don't believe you, they don't protect you, they deny it, they say it didn't happen, that becomes a post-trauma.
1: Fascinating. Cause I've thought about these other cultures in the past that have been at war all the time. You know, some of these wars go on for hundreds of years or decades. And how the, how did they cope with this trauma? But like you said, maybe there was a way where if they were all together as a society or family, or they have these structures that support each other, even though they're, you know, always in this sort of potential for death or destruction, they have support that we don't have now.
2: Especially because the whole premise of everything is social distancing. Yeah. So the epidemic is disconnection. Right. Con- connection is how we heal. Con- and not just how we heal, but it's how we manage homeostasis in the body.
0: So does that, is that like a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing? So if like, say you're in an office tower that freaked the fuck out right in the beginning and sent everyone home and you've been working from home ever since, and maybe you're single too, so you're sort of just really isolated compared to someone in my industry that's sort of been you know, other than annoyances, for the most part, has been unaffected. You know, it's business as usual. You got to go to work. It don't, like we, my industry hasn't shut down, construction industry hasn't shut down a day here. You know, we've had different rules to follow the whole time. And the general consensus in my entire industry is, and has been for the most part for the entire time, is this is crazy. This is this is too much. And I wonder if part of that is because we got to hang on to that sense of normality right from the beginning. And it might be different for those people who didn't get to.
2: Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. And so it varies from location to location you're talking about a work industry, but also we can compare areas. Like I live in Texas. It's a very different experience than New York city, San Francisco, Right, We don't see as much fear here. When I walk around, I don't see a lot of people with masks. Even nowadays, Um, most people are having normal interactions. It's it's almost like normal life is happening.
1: Whether you're jabbed or not.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so different than up here.
2: It's very different. I, I mean, maybe not for Darren. I mean,
1: Darren's almost like in you know his his life is kind of in that. But I mean, I know people personally that they're they're starting to lose it because they can't do anything.
0: They're trying I to stick. They're trying
1: to stick to their principles and. You have an
0: extra bedroom.
1: Well, the only difference is you can test here. I mean, it, it's still and and that could I change got, it I any minute. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I got the test covered, brother. I got a system. It's
1: so weird. It's so crazy what we're going through. Fuck. Um, sorry. What were you saying,
2: Trudeau? Oh, right! Unbelievable. Uh, The other day he was on some talk show and he was talking about unvaccinated people. Um, and he was basically saying, "Est-ce qu'on tolère ces gens?" Like, should we tolerate these people? That's shocking. That kind of thing should really be shocking people at this point. It's so astounding that it's not. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I think Trudeau said in English that uh, that that the Charter says that uh, it's not okay for them to be attacking the fundamental freedoms of people, but we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. I mean, at this point, it's getting so overt. And that's the thing about abuse. You know, there's overt forms and covert forms. The covert is the more sophisticated model. It's just more hidden. It looks pretty. They say all the right things, but then they're deceiving you. It's snake talking. And so every covert situation ends up becoming more overt as it progresses. And that's what we're seeing now is the turn into the more overt abuse and The shocking thing is how it's not shocking people. And that tells you how deep they are in the brainwashing.
1: And I mean, I heard you talk about that with Reiner about how to wake people up. I mean, it has to be a big dose of reality. I can't, I can't remember the exact words you used.
2: It's, it's, it's a spontaneous event. Right. So we can't help like somebody else them. to wake up. That's no, like it has to happen part. on their own. Right. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's like, yeah. it's like a divine intervention. It's a spontaneous thing that happens. And I call it a frying pan to the head because it's what it feels like. It's something so drastic and shocking, that the person can no longer not see the truth, the reality that's in front of them. It's like their whole reality shatters.
1: So, I mean, Trudeau saying something like that might be enough for some people. You would hope. You would hope.
2: But I think what it shows is that how there hasn't been, well, at least I'm not, I'm not Canadian. So I haven't been seeing what's going on in, in the public discourse there, but I don't see a lot of people talking about it.
0: Well, the so problem I, is no one speaks French outside of Quebec and we oh, don't really get oh, along with them. So. We don't really get along with them. Oh, well, they're technically part of Canada. We give them lots of money. In, I mean, in against in their better <laughs> judgment or our better judgment, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tedious and somewhat abusive relationship <laughs> at best. Yeah. And with Alberta where we are being, uh, especially abused, we are the redheaded stepchild of the country, but not quite redheaded enough to get out of the vaccine passports or not quite
1: redheaded <laughs> enough to, to not give money to the rest of the country. Well, that's a, that's part of the redheaded. Yeah. That, that's part of the yeah. We're kind of like the Texas of Canada. I
2: was thinking that, yeah. except with no freedom, <laughs> but except minus with, the
1: freedom, you know. Well, we could test. I
0: guess that's a that's a freedom. I mean, it's opened up a whole little market for me. I'm not gonna. I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, Texas does seem better though. I mean, Montana's right there. That's the trick. Is Montana's right there. Because we've done try
1: and go down. We've gone through, I will, I will. I heard, I heard that I, I'll talk to you about it later, but I heard that the requirements have changed for over the border travel. So, in a good we'll way go, or a bad way? In a way. good way, yeah. Ooh. We'll talk about it. So, we got we a couple of events to going on in the State. If we have to, so.
0: five weeks away. Five mm-hmm. weeks from tomorrow, we're out
1: of yeah. here. We're going to Arizona. Oh, yeah. You would I'm actually already. love the event that we're doing with, uh, we're, it's kind of like, it's called Magic on the Mountain, and it's kind of about some modern shamanism and some esoteric hermetic wisdom, along with some sort of Napoleon Hill, like, outwitting the devil type stuff. By three, right. di- three different guests that are coming to share their wisdom and their experience with us.
2: Did so, I hear that y'all going to be in Texas at some point, too? I no. Think I heard that on one of your... Oh, uh, Darren
1: goes well, there. Darren I go, to, there all I go
0: the time, to Texas but... from time to time. I got some buddies in Bandera. I guess just outside of San Antonio. I don't think it's far from Austin either. I haven't been to Austin yet, but the next time I go down, I'm going to go check out Austin.
1: I mean, Texas is huge, so it's hard to say.
0: I want to get out of here now, but I can't get on a plane.
1: Yeah.
0: and uh, Unless I drive to the States first, and fucking flying anywhere out of Montana is a pain. Right. So I'd have to drive to at least Spokane to not spend a fortune. So... For now, I'll just, I'll just drive. I mean, I got so many trips this year that I don't need to go to Texas this year, but uh, maybe ne- next year, and hopefully by then I can just get on a plane. I mean, I got to go to Egypt and Hawaii coming up, but I'm planning to just drive to the states for both of those flights. Like, I'll just drive to Denver and fly out of there. Like, Denver is one of those hub sort of places. Seattle, probably too. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out where's the. But
1: I mean, I can't, it's hard to believe we're even talking like this. I know. You know, this is where we're at, right? I mean, I know it's insane. It's it. So, there, you know, so it's on life. one hand, you're like, oh yeah, it's my it hasn't really changed much for me, but I got to drive to the states to fly to Egypt or Hawaii. So
0: that's just life, man. I mean, I mean, my my great grandpa didn't have the option of going fucking anywhere. he didn't walk. So I'm yeah. just not going to complain too much. No,
1: yeah, no, that's good. No, I mean we're. we've been talking about it over and over and especially this waking, waking up people because you know, they're you know, how, 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 how much of a pushback are we going to get from the people that are in that, let's say 30% that Desmond talks about the mass formation, right? How far are they going to push back against us when Trudeau himself, the, the leader of this country is calling us misogynist or dirty or Mm -hmm. racist or, what are, how do we deal with those hooligans is pretty much what he's saying. I well, mean, I mean, right. and then what are, how far are maybe, they going to come? Maybe it'll be like the new punk rock soon. Yeah. You know? yeah we'll be maybe. like punk rockers. Maybe. I don't know. But I, anyways, I mean, hooligans. we've talked about giving up on waking people up. Like it's not yeah. people that listen to the show are not going to just all of a sudden wake up because the people that are listening to the show have already kind of reached a certain point. And we can't yeah. really get into that percentage of the, of the people. Some people, there's a, there's a percentage. and I, So I kind of wanted your 98%. thoughts on on what Desmond says about the mass formation, wow. which what I wanted to mention to you as well is I'm reading this book from Charles Fort right now called The Book of the Damned, and it's about this pushback against dogmatic scientism and all that. And he's wow. talking about mass formation at least three times in his book from the early 1900s. Wow. So he was talking about mass formation back then. As an excuse for a UFO sighting? No, just of the way science and astronomy handles. Is that what that thing would have been where the
0: whole football stadium seen that UFO that time? Was that a mass formation? No, that's the opposite. That's a mass awakening. Oh. So you just, (laughs) is that, how do you decide?
1: (laughs) No, because the mass formation would have been all those people that didn't see anything, right? They're like, they're denying that. The mass formation would have been probably them denying that sighting.
0: I was thinking today about how it'd be nice to wake up all the drifters, the 98%. Or at least a bunch of them, and then I was thinking, that'd make my shit harder.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe a few more percent, but there's got to be a tipping point where it just gets saturated with too many go-getters.:
1: Yeah, it's not I don't know. It's not, a, it's not up to us anyways. It's, it's just not up to us. but there is a, there is a percentage of people in the middle that, that are that they see what ha- is happening and they just don't know what to do. Like, I, we don't even really know what to do. I mean, how do we, you know, besides sort of preparing for different scenarios, I mean, what, and besides just, you know, handing out leaflets on the street or trying to, you know, shout and, and tell people what's going on, but they won't really get it anyways. So like what Desmond was saying is the 30 and the 40 and the 30, let's say, I don't really agree with those percentages. I think it's more like 10 or 20 and 40 and 40 kind of thing, but I guess, I guess what, what is my question in all this, how does trauma and, and what you're talking about with the abusive relationship fit into that mass formation or is, is it the same thing? Are people that are in their trauma stuck in the mass formation?
2: So the mass formation, the delusional psychosis, it's also called, that takes place in a system. So in an interpersonal relationship, that's the micro example. And then you start getting into systems which have the same dynamics, but then they take on additional characteristics because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So the best thing is to think about a family, because that's the basic structure of a system. So let's say, you wake up in that family and you realize there's abuse going on. It happened to you. You try to talk to people. Maybe you find a few allies in the family who said that happened to me too, or I saw that happen to you and they validate your reality and they see it. But the vast majority of people are not going to see it. They're going to attack you. They're going to smear you. They're going to move away from you. So, It ends up getting that in order to save your sanity and your health and your peace and your well-being that you end up exiting the system, going no contact with pretty much everybody in the system. Because a system, an abusive system, whether we're talking about a family or a society, is made up of abusers and enablers. The key point to talk about here is the enablers. When we look at history, we talk about the abusers and the victims. We often don't talk about the enablers. We don't talk about the people that allow it to happen, that do the bidding of, of the abusers, that turn on each other, right? And that's really important to talk about. And I think that might be why we leave it out of history, because that's where the power is. The system doesn't work. If there's an abuser and has no enablers... The abuser is powerless to do anything. It's the enablers that maintain that entire system. And this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about those percentages, we're talking about enablers too.
1: So, I mean, it's so funny you, you say that about the exiting the system because that's really what we feel like doing. I mean, I'm not going to speak for Darren, but like in general, that community, this is the people that are sort of wondering what to do. It's like I don't even you, – you, you get to the point where you don't even want to be in the system. Like I don't even want to go out and eat at a restaurant with a bunch of people wearing their masks. <laughs> or for example, you know, I just don't – I don't even want to be in the system. I just don't have any desire to talk small talk with people that are sort of participating in this.
2: Exactly, and that's really the best thing we can do is opt out as much as possible. It's really hard to leave that system right now because there's no alternative, and I think that's what what's going to be starting to be born now. Parallel it's like a systems. parallel society, yes, yes. media, banking, schools, education, absolutely every medical, part of society, everything. Yeah, because those who no longer want to participate in that, or those who are getting kicked out and canceled, you know, and all of that. They need to find some other home. So I think what we're going to see now, I think with the bridge, the gap between where we are now in these two parallel systems, I think this year, this is going to start to happen. We're going to see the systems, the separate systems forming. I think that gap right now, in order to close that gap is people fully accepting reality. Because if, even if we're awake and we're like, but maybe we'll kind of go back to normal because the truth is coming out, right? People are paying attention, right? And because you've seen all this truth that's coming out now. But what are you seeing? You're seeing policies as if that didn't happen. More lockdowns, more vac fabs more policies, even though more truth is coming out showing that none of this is necessary. So I think some people are still a little bit in the cognitive dissonance, hoping things will kind of just go back to normal. So maybe we won't you know, invest our energy in that. But I think it's probably really wise that we do. I don't know if you've read Ayn Rand. She wrote a book called Atlas Shrugged. Fantastic and uh, many amazing insights in there. But one of them was this exactly that this group of people with bright minds started becoming disillusioned with society the way that it was. It was falling apart because these inept, corrupt, abusive people were running things. And so they ended up starting to exit society and forming a separate parallel society that they called Atlantis, which was hidden in the mountains. And so their society was based on the exchange of real value. It was based on no man exists for the sake of another man and that everything is based on value exchange. So there was no entitlements or free riding. Everybody contributed something to the society and they earned a living based on that. And the interesting thing at the core of her fictional society Was this man named John Galt who created this free energy technology. And I think that is exactly what we need in this parallel system that we're going to create is some kind of free energy technology. This kind of stuff has been coming out for a long time, and governments always squash that because they want to be able to charge a lot of money. They want the power. Right, So if we come up with the energy, because that's going to be one of the next crises that they're going to engineer now is the energy crisis. So if we have the free energy, we can figure out everything else. So for the scientists and the people who are becoming disenchanted with that whole system, who want to actually create something different, we need the energy. Whoever has those skills.
1: Have you seen Thrive 2 at all? Have you talked to... um... Proctor, uh, Gamble, Foster, Gamble. Oh
2: no, I saw oh, the yeah. first one. Oh yeah, you got to see the
1: second one. It's incredible. Yeah, it's wow. it's their whole journey about going to to talk to these people that have submitted their designs for free energy and all that kind of stuff. And they focus on a few of the special cases that seem like they're doing everything they say they're doing. And they go and visit them. And it's it's a it's a really great movie as far as staying out of all the kind of global politics and very it's very it's a very holistic sort of movie based on following na- nature's principles, you know, nice. with, with Nassim Harriman's work again and Gamble. all that. Yeah. Foster Gamble. Yeah. Procter Gamble. No, I said foster. I started with Procter, and uh, I said Foster Gamble. Yeah.
2: So Nassim yeah, was talking about that mass formation. He didn't use that word a long time ago. I went to one of his events, but he was talking about how like, there's like this consensus, you know, in science or in physics, where like they they just agree on the weight of uh, what was it the nucleus or the neutron of the nucleus? Something about this. I'm sorry. I'm the not proton?
1: No, the proton. I think proton. It's on that yeah. was
2: it. Yeah. And he was talking about how they just made up a number.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the mass formation that that Fort was talking about in his book. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, and then it just and then and then the problem is it it'll just stays like that this this whole the, this whole way until it it shifts and morphs into something else eventually but it it, it just always transitions into something else eventually yeah. but it but at the time it's dogmatic and it's uh it's the what does he call it the, he calls it the um now I'm not now I'm going to gap out on on the what he calls it but I'll I'll, th- I'll if I think about that I'll I'll uh I'll come back to it it's yeah, what is he called? The Indi... Oh, I can't! I can't think of it. Damn it! Dogmatism. Well, yeah, in general, but he's got a special, another special word for it. Like, remember I was saying it upstairs? The the um, yeah, uh, ind- yeah, I can't, I can't think of it.
0: Interesting.
1: I've only narrated it like five hundred times in the last five days, and I can't remember it. Atlas shrugged could have done without the
0: whole speech, I think. The John
2: Galt speech?
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's like four and a half hours. Come on, come on. I mean it's longer than some books. It's longer. The John Galt speech is longer than Fahrenheit 451. Is that what that book's called? Am I thinking of the right book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Another good one. It's so
2: it's so interesting though. All of those dystopian novels that came out mostly in the aftermath of World War II. You know, what What was going on in the collective consciousness that people around the world were writing novels, basically describing exactly what's happening now. We're kind of in some kind of intersection of all of those novels. Brave New World. Have you read that yeah, one, too? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, that girl from the Australian internment camp that the girl that was forced in there, you probably saw yeah, the video. Yeah. She said that when she was getting very anxious, she asked if she can go for a walk or run outside and they wouldn't let her. They made her stay in, but they offered her Valium. that's straight out of Brave New World. Take a gram and don't give a damn. And she said that even like the PR around those camps in Australia, it's like it's like a holiday again, right out of Brave New World. Take two grams and have a holiday. That's crazy. It
1: is. the name of the camp is like uh some it's a very um positive type name. I can't remember what the name of that camp is now. We talked about it before on the show. See, I'm losing my memory again
2: here. Some kind of euphemism. Yeah,
1: yeah, like New Land Camp or mm. some some like Sunshine Creek Lodge or Ooh, something. Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. I'll take 14 nights. <laughs> yeah. I can't it's so refreshing to hear you talk about all this stuff because like when I heard you, you know, talk. On uh, on Reiner about you know about the trauma and, and and you know how educated you were. and then you're bringing up all these other conspiracies that we talk about but it's just so refreshing to hear somebody that you're not aware of yet open to all the stuff that we discuss on the show that's great it's awesome
2: y'all are talking about this stuff too
1: ah oh, it's just it's it's so refreshing do you want to do you have any questions FEMA is going to do a nuclear bomb test response test
0: on January sixth really do you think January sixth what yeah.
1: Do they have to pick that date? I know, right? right? Oh, it's just unbelievable.
0: Maybe you stay away from the city centers that day. Yeah. <clears throat> what day is that? Is that a weekend? Uh
1: That's
2: is coming that, up, it's coming up. Thursday. It's like, yeah, it's Thursday. Thursday? Yeah, so Thursday yeah. No.
0: Ooh, I'm taking that day off already. <laughs> Great. That worked out. <laughs> I'm making I'm making uh apple strudels. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean nice little Thursday.
1: Um, I got a question. I did okay. want to ask about, uh, you know, because I know you've talked about this in your videos too, but the victimhood culture that we're in right now, you know, and taking responsibility. And I think that's part of the reason why the people that have been through the dark night of the soul or addiction or had to, had to go through trauma and come out the other side, sort of, sort of accept, I think, responsibility over their actions and their behavior. and. Um, you want to talk about how that's played a role, like how this new sort of, it seems like there's a a victimhood culture there that's, that seems to be enabling this whole thing to happen. You know, the cancel culture, the people that are now, you know, pointing their fingers at people that aren't following the rules and all this. I mean, it feels like it's cause they're just projecting all this stuff on other people.
2: Yeah. And this has been a formation of a very long process like decades and decades of programming and social engineering, yeah. the in infantilization of society, because that keeps people stuck in the victimhood. Yeah. They, they want people there because if people accept self-responsibility for their life and their choices and they make that commitment, that's empowerment. Self-responsibility is empowerment. So they make it Desirable to remain a victim, which actually Ayn Rand wrote about in that book Atlas Shrugged too. She said because when you live in that state of victimhood, you're blameless for the consequences of your actions, right? So they make it enticing to be blameless, you know, for what they do, um, and, and enticing to be a victim and to gain status and sympathy and other entitlements for being a victim. So it really, it kind of just kills a person's drive in life. And I think as humans, like we're here to kind of struggle and, and through that struggle, we find our purpose and we find meaning in life. And let's say the government provides UBI, you know, the universal basic income, and now people don't work, they don't struggle, then what, right? There's no more drive. There's, there's no meaning in life at that point. And I think that's really dangerous. So what we see is that there's all this programming to keep people stuck in the infantilization because then they also have a rescue fantasy. They don't take responsibility for their life. They're not changing anything in their life and they are just waiting for some savior, whether it's a politician or a Messiah or whoever to come and save them from their life. Maybe it's a partner or someone who's just going to provide for them so they don't have to take responsibility for their life.
0: Are most people even hoping for that? I mean, I feel like most people don't even want that. They just want to, they're not even thinking about life at that level. You know, it's just like, they're just caught in the tide. They're just, you know, Monday to Friday to, ooh, Friday's poker night, and then Saturday's pizza night, and then, fuck, it's Sunday, back to work tomorrow. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, taking control of... And, I mean, I, I'm privileged in a lot of ways because I have, you know, a lot of things going for me. But <laughs> I didn't mean that to come out that way, but it did. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in a lot of ways, just just picking some place you want to be in a year or three months or six months or five years or all of the above is enough to at least start taking some control over your life instead of just bitching about how shitty it is all the time or indirectly, usually, you know, this shitty job, this shitty car, these shitty shoes, you know, and right now especially, right now especially, and I don't think the negativity on either side does us any favors. Like, when I was just pissed off at the t- all the time, and up against it all the time. It was just like, I don't know if I was checking my blood pressure was probably higher and I'll still get it up. I mean, if the cops want to have a conversation about rights or if I need to cross the border and I have, you know, the border guards probably get an unfair amount of abuse from me, (laughs) but, um, it's better not to be there all the time because it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's, It really devolved for a while there. I feel like um, we, we had the high ground in a lot of ways, but I see that sort of disappearing of late and it really devolving into an us versus them again, you know?
2: That's the danger, the divide and conquer. That's the tactic that every abuser uses is to divide people. They have to keep people divided us versus them so that they can't unite. And so when we fall into those traps and it's all set up that way, it's set up like a binary system. Like if you have this, this, uh, uh, you agree with this talking point, let's say, or you you fall into this, you are pro this or anti that. And so they, they kind of set it up so that you're almost forced to fall into one side or the other. And they make it almost impossible for you to be independent thinker or have thoughts that maybe contain both sides or pieces of truth from both sides. So as soon as you say something, if a person on this side says, okay, you didn't say something on my list of talking points, therefore you must be that side. And this is all very destructive behavior. But unfortunately we humans have not grown up out of this infantilization phase yet to recognize what's happening and that we're being played.
0: And we're playing ourselves.
2: We are.
0: So is that like, I guess that's sort of the elephant in the room is the self-responsibility the self and the self-destruction and the, the self-entitlement.
2: It is because it's that commitment to self-responsibility that changes everything. That's the threshold out of the victimhood and into the rest of your life. Like at that point, you have the confidence that you can figure it out. Whatever it is, you're going to take the responsibility and figure it out. When you're in the victimhood, it's just, I can't, I can't. I need somebody else to do for me.
0: Or it's somebody else's fault that I'm here, which implies that I can't get myself out of here. Exactly. Indirectly, I guess. I mean, I guess you still could, but if it's all your shit, it's easier to shovel it. It stinks less. It stinks more at first, probably. Maybe the whole time. Maybe the whole time. What do you think?
1: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes.
0: What? Uh, where can our listeners track you down if they want to learn more?
2: So I stopped uploading to YouTube and all the other mainstream social media sites, but I did just start uploading some clips from my recent interviews on Rumble and on Brighteon. And they can find me with Meredith Miller on those sites. And then I also just started Substack and Getter. Oh, wow. um, Just started like today and yesterday. And also, I write an email about every month to my list. So if people go to my website, innerintegration.com. There's a place they can enter their email to get on my newsletter list.
0: It looks like you have a YouTube plaque back there. That must have been a tough decision to leave YouTube.
2: It was a really difficult decision. Like, really difficult because I'd spent years building that. But at this point, I just feel like people haven't realized yet, you know, in history, when we look at the people who were censoring and silencing and burning books and all of that, those were never the good guys in history. And so I think people don't realize that all of those mainstream sites are obsolete now because they've taken that side of censorship and silencing and controlling the narrative. And I just didn't want to participate in that anymore. I wanted to leave the library of content that I have up there as long as they don't delete me, because that'll still serve people, you know, over time. But I just don't want to keep contributing to that. I don't want to be a part of that. And I didn't even realize that there were these alternatives starting to be developed now, other sites that people are moving to so they can share freely what they think you know and that's that's really interesting too the the whole censorship thing because it's it's the reality control right because if they control what we say then they control what we think and then they control the reality that we perceive and eventually just like in Orwell's 1984 people get to the point where they can't even think about reality because they only taught these words and to think within this frame of mind Good. That's
1: great that you did that. Good for you. I mean, <clears throat> it's such a, it's such a perfect meme. You just said it. And it's hard to believe that hasn't gotten through to the masses, you know, that the people that are on the side of censorship and burning books and all this are never, they're never the good guys. Right. I mean, when does that, when does that ever served us? And people just, it's, we've had this come up with my, with my family and some close friends and stuff where they're talking to the friends that they're talking, having these open conversations about trying to kind of wake them up because some people will talk about it, but they have no clue of the censorship. They don't even know that it's exist that it exists. Like there, there's such a bubble in Canada here, at least. And with the mainstream sort of narrative that they don't even know that the censorship is happening and you try, you give them examples and they just don't even get it. They won't even acknowledge it.
2: I think, you know, this, this is the thing that got me in 2020, When doctors are being censored during a pandemic, Houston, we have a problem.
1: Yeah. And that was pretty obvious. That was one of the most obvious ones, right? It was that whole, the frontline doctors came out, oh, shut them down, shut them down. Also, the grade almost went down. Yeah. That would have been been a major problem, too. Yeah. Well, I, I do have one question before we let you go about just personal healing from abusive relationships. You know, I, it's probably a pretty general question and you may have a, 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 um, answered it already in, in the general narrative. But, um, you know, people that didn't realize that they're in a relationship, uh, like maybe more on more of a personal level, um, not the system so much or the family so much, Um, but either how to get out of those relationships. And this is probably like a huge question, but just summarize or whatever, or, or if, if you've, if you've gotten out, how to sort of maybe take steps to heal from that abusive relationship, whether it's not NPD or BPD, I know there's some overlaps there. Hard to tell the difference sometimes.
2: Yeah. I think the very first thing is to relentlessly face the truth. So as soon as a person starts to realize something's wrong, this is abusive, this is toxic, it's not okay, relentlessly facing the truth because you want to start to opt out or unsubscribe from that reality. So when you're in an abusive relationship or even a family system, there's a reality construct, which is like the narrative that they're selling us in society and everyone is subscribed to that. So even when you're in a one-on-one relationship, you're fully subscribed to the narrative and the reality of the abuser. You need to start unsubscribing from that. You need to start living in your reality, owning your reality, not letting the other person make you self-doubt because that will keep a person stuck. And, you know, they say the average is seven times that a victim will return to an abuser. And if not to the same abuser, then to other abusers and repeat the same story. So I was asking myself a few weeks ago, is that going to be the magic number in society? Like, what is the seven times? Is it seven shots? Like, is it seven lockdowns? Like what is the magic number going to be? Seventh wave.
1: Yeah. Seventh wave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. And then how, so how do you avoid going? So, I mean, relentlessly face the truth to avoid getting back in those as well
2: to, to, to face the truth, to get out of that. And then to start facing the truth about yourself, mm-hmm. right? Cause when it's kind of like an addiction to get caught in these abusive relationships, you're not addicted to the abuse. You're not addicted to the person. You're not even addicted to the relationship. You're addicted to the feeling that you get, particularly the feeling that you got at the very beginning when they were pretending like everything was amazing. Right? So in any addiction, we tell ourselves lies. Where's the lie. And that's where we have to get honest with ourselves and start doing a deep, deep dive into what are the lies that we're telling ourselves? Because whatever those lies are, that's what makes us a perfect target for someone who comes in and tells us everything that we want to hear. You know, so usually that lie has something to do with something in my life I need to take responsibility for, right? And then the very basic foundation of rebuilding after one of those relationships is self-worth. Everything else builds on that. And in order to rebuild your self-worth, you need to take a look at what are your values. So what really matters to you? And I always tell people, write this down. Because like, sometimes we think we know our values. We're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. But we don't really take an inventory of the values. So take a paper and write down like a free association exercise. Just give yourself five to 10 minutes all over the paper. Just write anything that comes to mind. What's important to you? What matters to you? What do you value? Then step away from that and look back. And then as you're looking at everything that you wrote, circle, maybe the five or so things that really pop out as the most important. Those are your core values. So now that you know what your values are and what matters to you, now you can create standards and boundaries to protect those values. And then as you put those boundaries into practice, what happens is your self-worth starts raising. So usually people who get into these relationships have no boundaries. Either in childhood they were taught they had no right to have boundaries. They have no idea what a boundary is. They feel guilty for setting boundaries. Boundaries are key to protecting our self-worth. Everything of value has to have a protection.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, that's great advice. Can people still come to you for help uh, getting over personal trauma and relationships and exiting yeah. narcissistic or borderline personality disorder relationships?
2: Yeah, I do one on one sessions. Nowadays, most of my clients are actually hearing my recent interviews and they want to heal their personal traumas of any sorts really so that they can step into leader leadership positions in their community and family through the process that we're going through in the world right now.
1: Excellent advice. Okay, good. All right. Well, we'll link to all that in the show notes and thanks for your awesome interview. This was great. Really appreciate Thank all that. Thank so much for inviting excellent me. Excellent answers. And yeah, thanks a lot. And we'll en- keep in touch. Enjoy Texas.
2: Thank you. It's warmer you. and okay, freer. One day. Yeah. Okay.
1: One day.
0: Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. And that was a chat, Meredith Miller, what'd you think, buddy? That was
1: as good as I expected it to be, yep. It was
2: just, fantastic, Yeah.
0: Just yep. as
1: good? Yeah, I wish I would have learned about her, like, I don't know, lots, many years ago, but it's all good ago? now. Many, many years ago, yeah. But no, I mean, I think she's fantastic. People gotta look her up. I mean, they, I heard her on that Reiner, Reiner Fulmek episode, which he's- I don't he's, know who that is. He's the lawyer that's doing a Nuremberg 2.0. Oh, and, is that still yeah. happening? Yeah.
0: Is it it's happening, though? Yeah. It's all happening, for real? It's all happening. Well, yeah, it's it's all happening. For real though, or is this like the well? Hey, I'm not putting like any. that that church in Europe that says all sorts of shit. and Nothing ever happens. The one that like said the Trudeau is a genocide or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not putting any weight in it. Okay, good. So, but some people say it's happening. Some people, yeah. Some people <laughs> fall. I mean, he's interviewed like hundreds of top doctors and scientists and people. Who's like the herself. first domino to fall? Uh, in Europe, maybe like Poland or something like that or some, some like the whole country. Well, no. Well, I think he's started, they've started lawsuits in there, but I mean, I just don't have any hope in the law system because look what's happening with the JCCF and in Canada. I mean, every province and all these people have all been sued for various things over this and they just keep extending the deadline. Push it out. Push it out. Oh, we don't have to give you our dad. Well, that's not back to you with that. That's not, uh, that's not losing. Well, it's, it's not, not stop. It's not it's solving not, the problem. It's not
0: right like now, it's not. fucking new either, man. I mean, try and get divorced <laughs> in less than a year and a half. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Good luck. Yeah.
0: It's gonna take fucking like four or five court appearances, and they're gonna be four or five months apart.
1: But they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're saying that a lot of people are gonna hang for this. You know, I, hang. Yeah, like they're talking go about gallows. It, like, well, maybe what that's what
0: the guillotines are for. Not for us. <laughs>
1: For the politicians. <laughs> <laughs> Big dude. thanks
0: to Meredith for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're one of the few, one in a hundred, two in a hundred, that choose to support our work over here at we Grand can't America. Do it without you. We can't do it without you. We'd have to stop it without you. We don't want to stop it. We're hoping you don't want us to stop it. Uh maybe you think the show's free. I mean, I can tell you this, there's still uh, tens of thousands of pe- more people listening to the show than are supporting the show. So there's a few of you that could start out the new year right. Put your karma in the right place. Go head over to grindamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly, whether it's a buck a month or 50 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month, that's up to you. You can make a one-time donation while you're there. Get caught up. And uh, keep going. I think this episode like 528 or something, 529. It's getting up there america.ca slash support, if you're getting some value from the show, it's not a free show, it's a value for value show. So if it's adding some value to your day, your commute, your workout, your job, for america.ca slash support, you decide. Uh, While you're on there, search for the interwebs, or maybe you're in the show notes, head over to adultbrain.ca today, and hammer on to some of them audiobooks, Gram Reads, there's a ton of them. Thirty-one, I think, available or thirty-two, almost. There's a
1: couple Charles Fort books out there now. The one, the one I was trying to reference uh, tonight was uh, Book of the Damned, which will will be out soon. But Um, it's not out
0: yet. Probably this week. Yeah. And then the Wild Talents is so Wild Talents, and New Lands will be out by the time this comes out, and all the other ones. You guys know them. AdultBrain.ca. Use your adult brain today. Uh, join the chats. Go america.ca slash chats. Head over to contact at the cabin.com. There is still some availability in a couple of Randall events next year. Get signed up now. I think that's about it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
3: I'm walking gingerly through the red race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists The people are many, they preen themselves Oh, how they navel-gaze Somewhere over that hill The gloomy skies cease to exist I'm climbing that hill, I pass by And pity the poor Sisyphus I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light, I'm strolling down aesthetic electric avenue, the people are predictable, they say good morning, how do you do, when out of nowhere a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me, And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. Thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. Go into hyperdrive And turn into a beam of light Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably The air is crystal clear Well please won't you tell me What it takes to transcend this place A little bit of heart And a whole lot of soul Take a look at the big old smile on my face As my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be dull I go into hyperdrive Turn into a beam of light 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 light, to a beam of light, turn into a beam of light, turn into a beam of light, turn into a beam of light. C A, that's A-D-U-L-T-B-R-A-I-N dot-C A